So, money. That was a shocked look. <laughs> money, 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 money. What a nightmare subject. Something we all need. So we start the timer. I reckon I'll do this in about an hour and a half. <laughs> Rob's looked at the notes, reckons it's two hours. So we all need money. The world is shouting at us about what we need to spend it on. And we want nice things. We want a nice life. But it costs money. The problem is, it's a bit of a taboo subject. Sex. And money. The two things we can't talk about. I can't talk about what I earn, and I can't talk about what I give. (laughs) Oh, alright then. I will, actually. (laughs) I've worked hard. You've worked hard. You deserve nice stuff. You look around. You see how the world's spending their money. And you're thinking, I'm doing a bit better. And then we buy something and we feel embarrassed and we feel shy. What would people think if I buy that? It's tough. And regularly we're trying to think and we're trying to be careful and we're trying to budget. We're trying to do it right and we're trying to give and we want to be generous. But life's expensive. The mortgage, the rent is expensive. Holidays are expensive. Clothes are expensive. And our children, we want to treat our kids. But the cloth, yeah, it's just getting stretched. The balloon feels like it's going to burst. Does it kind of feel like you're trying to get everything into the cupboard and there's not a chance the door's going to shut? And then there's the big offering. Or you see a need. Help. What do we do? And every day we want to do the right thing and we want to be godly. Money. Tough subject. We face it all day, every day. And so it's an important subject. And we need to talk about it. And we need to explore it. And we need to pull it apart. Not just because we need help with those things, but because of what money represents. And so this morning I want to stop. And we're going to step back, and I want to invite you to come on a journey. Do you think we can try and look at money from a different perspective? Do you think we can try and look at it afresh? Because I believe there is a diamond to be found, a jewel of high value. It's formed under pressure, yes. It's born out of faith, yes. We have an opportunity. God gives us an opportunity with our money. There is a joy and a delight to be found. It can be so easily missed, and we have to look for it, we have to search for it, but when we find it, it's a pearl of great value. So are you happy to come on the journey? Good. So here's the health warning. This is not a normal preach. This is my get-out-of-jail card. I am not teaching. This is my testimony, Okay. It's, it's, that's all it is. It's a testimony. It's stories. And it's tough. It's been emotionally really, really surprisingly difficult to prepare. But this is what I felt I needed to do. Share my heart. Okay? Do you mind if I pray? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would open our hearts now. And I pray you'd speak to us. And I pray you'd challenge us where we need to be challenged. And I pray we would hear everything through through what we, as we worshipped, you know, we are loved by you. We are accepted. I pray we'd hear all this through your grace. 
speak to us, I pray, Lord God. Amen. So what's my journey? Well, I have been brought up to save for a rainy day, okay? And this journey starts not long after we got married. I've been taught, live within your means, save. If something bad happens, as long as you've got some savings, got some money, you'll be all right. I was a contractor in Jaguar. I was well paid. I realize that now. <laughs> We'd done a good job with our mortgage. I'd inherited some money. We had savings that amounted to about a year's worth of income. Joel was on the way. Wendy was pregnant, three months. Everything is good. And then Jaguar announced that all contracts were being reviewed. 50% of contractors were going to lose their jobs. The other 50%, the other half, were going to have their rates cut by 15%. We would hear in four weeks' time, Monday the 16th of May. Fine, I've got a year's worth of savings, not a problem. I can find a new job in a year. Then the church announced, we're having a building offering. Sunday the 15th of May, (laughs) the day before. Okay, what do you do? What do you do? I know, a token gift. We'll give 100 quid, tick the box, fine. But as we prayed, we didn't have a piece about that. And I realized that even though there's a lot of wisdom in savings, this is where my security was. And the number that I felt God putting on my heart pretty much amounted to giving away all of our savings. Yes, (laughs) it's frightening. The thought of giving away all your savings, I was feeling vulnerable. But I can remember as I read my Bible and as I prayed, you Matthew 6, you know, look at the birds, look at the flowers. Like not even Solomon's dressed like this. I felt God saying, look, you don't need to worry. I'm going to provide for you. For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given as well. You see, the Bible teaches that I will have food, and I will have clothes, and I will have shelter. Everything else around me, it's just luxuries. I don't need those things. But as we prayed, we had a complete peace that this is what God was talking to us about doing. And there didn't seem to be a lot of wisdom in it. But do you know what? We'd rather get it wrong doing what we felt God told us to do than holding back. And so as we prayed, we got a piece about it. It came to the day. I can tell you now, I have never, ever known the joy and the freedom, the liberty, the the, the celebration of dancing to the front of that church and putting that check in the box. The thing is, The story doesn't have a guaranteed nice outcome, okay? I knew the next day I still had a 50% chance of losing my job. Giving money away, it's not twisting God's arm to look after you. I was very aware I might be out of work, a baby on the way, and no savings. So how does it end? Well, I went into my meeting with HR. The guy looks at the spreadsheet, looks at me, looks a bit confused. My recollection, he then went off to get clarity and returned to say, this is a bit odd. Not only is your contract renewed, you've been given a 15% increase on your rate. (laughs) Okay? 
And it doesn't end there. Joel's born six months later. We are bombarded with gifts of clothes and prams and cots and car seats and you name it. We've been given it. I think over the 10 years of childhood, we reckon we've bought a five-pack of baby vests, like little ones for Barney, because we didn't know anyone else that small, um, a pair of socks, some school clothes, not all, and no occasional pair of trainers. I didn't realize how much of a blessing that was until we met some friends six months later and we discovered how much they'd spent on the stuff we'd been given. Okay, ours doesn't match, doesn't have the fancy widget, but God has blessed us. Julian Adams says, here's one for free, okay? So here's one for free. I sometimes wonder if people today miss out on God's blessing to them because they're too proud to accept hand downs. So moving on then. <laughs> so, okay, let's come up to date. What's God speaking to us now? Christmas, I felt God really challenged me about how we are investing our resources. So I'm sure many of us know the parable of the talents. I find it interesting. NIV now uh, translates that bags of gold, okay? Rich guy goes on a journey. He gives up bags of gold to one, five, one, two, another guy, one bag of gold. Comes back, what have you done with your bag of gold? I've always read that passage about kind of your spiritual gifts. What have you done with your spiritual gifts? I felt God say, what have you done with your money, Trev? It came about because I saw a page in Wikipedia that talked about the wealth and people, the wealth of our nation and the assets people have got. So net worth, UK net worth by individuals, okay? That's your assets. It's the equity in your house. It's the savings in the bank, it's trusts, it's all that kind of stuff, okay? Not possessions, not contents, not your car, not all that stuff, okay? It's assets. Bearing in mind the UK is ranked fourth in the world for wealth by capita, okay? So already at the UK, we're right at the top. So here in the UK, we're surrounded by lots of wealthy people. I'm sure many of us will know millionaires, there are billionaires, okay? I'll be honest with you, we had a house, we've done well with our mortgage. I'm thinking I, we probably sit about 50% in the UK, I'm guessing. Okay, so let's ask a question then. What do you reckon, how much wealth do you think you need to have to be in the top 10%? Million pounds? A couple of million pounds? More or less? More? More than a couple of million? Okay. Less, right, let's see us. £176,000, okay? If your assets, you know, the, in your house, all that kind of stuff, you're in the wealthiest 10% of our country. What about the top 1%? Millions? No, nope. two-thirds of a million. The interesting one's at the 50% point, okay? 50% of people in the UK have 93% of the UK wealth. Does that, you get that? So 7% of the UK wealth is split between half of its people. Okay, this was starting to... Uh, show us the rest of the table and I'll have a little drink. You can work out where you are. These are HMRC figures. They are a few years old, but it's they're legitimate figures. Okay, let's jump on to internationally then. Okay, so this takes into account the cost of living in each country. Okay, I haven't done the sums. On a website. So, if you earned a thousand pounds a year, you would be in the world's wealthiest 50%. You're actually earning the world's average wage. 
If you were on the UK minimum wage, 13,500, you're in the world's top 9% of the wealthiest people. If you're earning the UK mean salary, you're in the world's toppest 4%. Toppest. There's a new word. <laughs> and in theory, £35,000 a year, you're in, the, you're in the top, you're the wealthiest 1.5% in the UK, in the world. Okay, so this is kind of starting, this is what was going on through me and Christmas. It's mixed up. This world is mixed up. 93% of the UK wealth held by 50% of its people. The wealth to qualify is surprisingly low. And I know those numbers from the previous slide were big numbers. I get that. But bear in mind the cars and the houses and the holidays that we see all around us. We're realizing people are not as rich as they appear. Okay? And possessions don't count. And that's what we see. Why do possessions not count? Well, because in Matthew 25, when the guy comes back, he says, what have you done with your bags of gold? And I'm realizing all the bags of gold I've earned over the kind of whatever number of years I've been earning, what have I got now? Actually, if I add it all up, I reckon I've got less bags of gold than I started with. That means I'm doing worse than the guy who started with one and hid it. Does that make sense? So what's my point? You are rich. You might not think it, and you might not feel it, but when the Bible talks about the rich, that's you. Because even if you're on benefits, or on the UK minimum wage, internationally speaking, you're rich. It's all a scale, right? This is what was hitting me. It is all a scale. No matter where you are, if you're Richard Branson... You will know people wealthier than you, that you want to be like. And you will know people worse off than you. Each one of us will know people who are better off than us and people who are worse off than us. It is all a scale. Everyone wants to be a little bit more comfortable, a little bit nicer. If you've done Alpha, you'll know that we use this talking about sin. okay? And we ask the question, who's the, who's, who's the best person you know? You know, Mother Teresa. And who's the worst? You know, often people... Hitler or whatever. Where are you? Well, I'm a little bit better than him and I'm somewhere in there, so what's the pass mark? Well, actually, do you know what? You go to the Bible, we're all scuppered. There isn't a pass mark. Okay? The danger is we compare ourselves to other. If you're, if you're looking at other, you're missing the point. So, what's the biblical standard? Matthew 25. How have I, how have you invested your bags of gold? And so, in answer to that, from what we'd started at Christmas, what we've actually done is we've taken some of the, we're in the process of taking some of the equity in our house to invest that in a way that's going to bless the business, but also bless our family. Um, but the thing is, you might be sitting there thinking, well, Trev, it's all right for you. It's all right for you that you're sitting there with equity in your house. Um, you've got a nice job. You've, got, you've, got a, you've done well your mortgage. You've got a nice car. You've got a nice holiday. Fine for you. When I'm on my feet, I'll think about those things. Well, I'd say two things. One, that's why this message has been really difficult to prepare. Because I know it looks like it's all right for you. And some of the stuff we've got, I feel really embarrassed about. Okay? But secondly, what I've learned on this subject is that the more comfortable you get, the harder it is. 
it's harder to get this right the more you've got. The, the more boxes that you can tick that the world says, then the tougher it is. Why? Because you've got more to lose. You see, it takes more faith to make godly choices when the numbers get bigger. I've testified before about the business and some of the decisions we made. God's been good. So, don't wait. The less you have, the easier it is. It doesn't feel like it, but it doesn't get any easier. Let me move on. When I started preparing this, I'm one of the trustees, I thought this would be a really good opportunity to update you on church finances. The problem is, kind of whenever you've got everything on your heart that you want to try and cram in, it just, it doesn't fit. Okay? So we'll save that for another day. But I will give you a couple of bullet points on the finances and the church. And you need to get ready to cheer on this one, by the way. Not for the reasons you're thinking. We are now a charitable company. Uh, you'll know that you, that's not a bit. So we are no longer King's Church Trust trading as Jubilee Church Solihull. No, that's been wound up and its assets have been transferred to Jubilee Church Solihull. So that happened in September. That's been a significant, that's been a lot of work getting there. So technically we're no longer trustees. We are directors. But we don't like that term, so I'm sticking with the term trustees. Um, so who are the directors, trustees? Long-standing, we've got Leslie and Des. And when the company was formed, we've... Oh, with Rob, sorry, as well. And now Steve Wicking and John Marshall. So how are our finances? Pretty good. Right, this will take a long time, guys. <laughs> Our finances are good. It's uh, because of the change in company, the financial years are a little bit mixed up. But basically, it reduces to, since our previous accounts were filed March 13 to September, our giving is up 34%. Um, our costs are up, but only by 30%, which has meant that our surplus has nearly doubled. So our each our annual surplus has nearly doubled. So the church is actually in really good, strong position financially. Um, and so you're thinking, well, that's fine then. Trustees, you've got a nice, easy job, haven't you? If only. I can't remember facing a financial decision that we actually had the budget for. Every significant decision that we have made as trustees has been in faith expecting that we were going to eat into reserves. Uh, we, we've got healthy reserves. Um, so, for example, employing another person, making a gift to someone, contracting work, taking on a lease for the offices. Each time we're looking at the projected income, projected expenditure, it's not been looking good. We're expecting to eat into reserves, but it's what we felt God speak to us about doing, so you make that commitment. But you know what? God has always blessed us abundantly. And we've never had to eat into the reserves. And instead, the reserves keep nudging up. God is good. And since September, our finances are still okay. Um, This has been through the office setup, big expenditure. Um, But again, we expected to go into reserves and we haven't. It's borderline. (laughs) In this current financial year, we're four months into the 12 months and we're sitting on a deficit budget. Okay, we, and facing big decisions, big expenditure decisions in faith. So please pray for us. 
Okay, I genuinely mean that. And why have I shared that? Well, partly to be open and transparent. And if you do have any questions, come and speak to one of us. Um, but mainly, I wanted to show that as trustees, we take this stuff seriously. And we take the principles and our values of honoring and generosity and faith. We apply that to the church money, to your money. And also, I want to share that as to underline that our, health, our financial health is good. I am not standing here saying, give, we need your money. So you need to hear that now, despite what I'm about to say. Okay? As trustees, we trust God. We trust that God will provide. Does that make sense? So what do I want to say about giving? <laughs> well, I want to shatter the idea of tithing. Remember, I'm not teaching. This is just my testimony. That's my get out of jail. I want to be clear, though, that whenever I talk about giving, um, I am thinking specifically about what we give to the local church. That's not what we might give to individuals or to Christian charities or to good causes. I'm talking about what we give to the church. So, most of us would say that tithing is an Old Testament thing and that the New Testament teaches about being generous. And we'd say a little bit further, probably, that the New Testament standards turn up the heat on the Old Testament. Yeah? Okay? So, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, Jesus says, don't commit murder, I tell you, don't think nasty thoughts. So, you're good evangelical, We'll say, giving in the Old Testament, 10%. New Testament, teachers be generous, so use your 10% as a starting point. Maybe give a little bit more. You with me? Maybe not. You with me? Okay. All right, so that's what we're thinking then. All right, I want to propose, if you think that, it's a cop-out. <laughs> Why? I want to show that even the Old Testament 10% is practically unreachable. Never mind giving a bit more. And you're thinking, Trev, what planet are you on? 10% 10%. Yeah? Right. So here we go. Show us the 10% then, Luke. So you're thinking... Uh, can you go back a slide? Right. So, there we go. One button at a time. <laughs> So there you go. You're thinking, tithe, give away 10%. I've still got 90% to live on. Okay? Right. Let's move on, Luke. That's true until you consider that we're talking about an agricultural society. These are farmers. And they're not giving away 10% of their income. They're giving away 10% of the harvest. Why is that important? Well, let's look at what it costs the farmer to get his harvest. He's had to... He's had to have his running costs of his fields. So let's take the field away. Whether that's paying his rent or all the maintenance costs on the field, he's had a cost to have that field. Then he's had to go and buy all his seed, right? To go out and plant it because he's trusting that it's going to grow. Yeah? You see where this is going. Okay? Then he's had to pay the wages. From now on, we're talking about wages. So he has to pay the wages of the workers to go out and sow that seed. Then he has to pay the wages of the guys to go out and weed the field. All right? 
Then he has to pay the wages to the guys to go out and bring in the harvest. He's not got 10% left. Has he? It's not 10% he's given away. In that example, he's given away half of what he brought in, is what he's made. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm not an Old Testament scholar. I'm not a farmer. I've made up the numbers, okay? I'm being honest with you. But it's the point. It's He's given away 10% of his harvest. He's not given away 10% of what he's brought home. Okay? So I'll give you an example, down-to-earth example here in business. So as a business... We've, it's been tough, but in this last year, we've actually done quite well. And this, in last year, the year that we've just finished, um, I think we've probably did just about as well as most businesses. Our profit was 12% of our turnover. So you see, if we apply the principle of tithing, we're given away 10%, and we're left with 2%. All right? Bearing in mind as well that those farmers, this is talking about what they give at harvest. They've also got free will offerings, they've got sacrifices, this, this, this ongoing um, giving through the year. So what am I saying? I think I'm trying to illustrate, again this is what I feel God has been challenging me, that in this, in our society where we get paid a wage and our only cost is tax, which is relatively small. Depends on your view on that. As a businessman, I think it's quite small. I don't think we can just look at 10%, apply that to our lives, sit back, tick a box, and say, I'm doing all right. I think the biblical standard is much higher, much, much higher. If you can get your head around the Old Testament tithing, it's a high standard. If you then extrapolate that on, like we do with other New Testament principles, we haven't got a chance. We're stuck. Let's rewrite one of those Sermon on the Mount 5, Matthew 5 things, you know. You've heard it, let's try and come up with it, shall we? Um, you've heard it said, give 10% of your income. But I say to you, give 90% of your salary. Reduce your expectations of comfort. Trust that God will provide food for you. Let me conclude. I think what I'm trying to say, I know what I'm trying to say. On the subject of money and giving, we're lost. We've failed. We can't do it. The standard is too high. You see, we realize that we started out from Matthew 25 with our bags of gold and we've been left with a bag of sand. We realize that we can't scrape together enough to even pay the 10%. Never mind paying a bit more. We're stuck. Maybe you feel like the Israelites, okay? Do you remember after Moses and Pharaoh and the 10 plagues? They've left Egypt and they've come to the sea. And then they realize that Pharaoh's coming behind them, and they're trapped. Are you feeling trapped? Are you kind of looking at your debts? I remember being there when the door has been knocked, and you're expecting the bailiffs. It's coming behind you, and if you're feeling trapped, and it's like there's no way out. Maybe you're feeling trapped. 
Maybe you're realizing, Lord, I can't go around this. I can't go over this. I can't go through it. Maybe you're looking at your finances and you're thinking, what do I do? Well, God saved his people when they faced that crisis. He split the sea so they could walk right through it. Do you know, with this issue too, your fears can be drowned in his perfect love? Because it's fears. That's what it is. He's rescued us. Why? So we can stand and sing. I'm a child of God. You see, we need help. Okay? We need a saviour. When we put it all together and we realise, when we face it, we realise that when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just to let us into heaven. It was to save us from so much more, including the power of money and the deadly grip of money. You see, look to Jesus. He saves us. You see, it's then that we remember that we don't give to God. He's already given to us. All that we have, it's his grace to us. Everything. Our choice is how we use it. Our decision, are we going to, how are we going to use his resources? He's trusted them to you. And this is the point, okay? This is what you've got to hear. You can't miss his grace. Okay? If you're feeling condemned, I've miscommunicated, okay? Because this is about God's grace. This is where we meet his grace. You can't earn any more of his love. You can write a check and give every penny away. Everything. Do you know what? You don't earn any more of his love. Jesus loves you infinitely. You don't need to give a penny to him. He owns everything in the world. But when we encounter his grace, we realize we have an opportunity. You have an opportunity. When we encounter his grace, we realize we want to. Rick Warren says, most people fail to realize that money is both a test and a trust from God. Money is a test and a trust. He's trusted you. Are you going to trust him? We have an opportunity to demonstrate right at the very core of our lives, in the very thing that we touch and encounter every moment of every day, we have an opportunity to demonstrate our trust in him. And that's where we stand, in his grace, in his love. That's worship today, wasn't it? We stand in his grace, in his love, accepted, forgiven, with an opportunity to trust him. So, how do we apply it? Well, I suggest in each one of those moments, when you're tempted to twist or to distort the truth, recognize it's fear. And it's usually about money, isn't it? Or is that just with me? Choose to trust God. Choose that God will provide whatever the cost. How else do we apply it? Why not put some time in your diary to sit and look at your finances? And look at your family's finances. Come in faith. Kneel before the cross. Choose to trust God. John Piper says, wise people, do you want to be wise? Wise people know that all their money belongs to God and should be used to show that God and not money is their treasure and their comfort and their joy and their security. So, 
Take some time. Work it out what that means for you and your family. How can you use money to show that God and not money is your treasure, your comfort, your joy, and your security? Amen.